Welcome back to the TV Podcast, talking about Game of Thrones. Uh, this episode was called, it's three, it comes in threes, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. Lots of uns for, uh, for season five, episode six of Game of Thrones. I'm Jason Snell, and with me as always, Monty Ashley. Hello. Hello, Jason. Are you unbowed? Um, I guess. Are you I'm unbent? Not- well, I'm sitting down, so I'm bent in a Somewhat few different bent. places. Are you unbroken? Oh, we could go on and on about we'll, that. We'll but. come we'll come back to that maybe later. Uh, let's see. We we had um, we had a few different locations for this episode. Yes, I counted six, five. Yeah. One, two, three. Depends on how you count, but but five. Yeah, I think five locations. That we that we should uh, should we we should carry through as we go. Bravos being first in the House of Black and White, as mentioned in as named in a previous episode. <laughs> I we got deep that... into the house this time. Yes, whenever you think she's in the darkest room in the house, she finds another even Dark. darker, less lit room, larger to and darker. Into. Yes. So Arya starts. Uh, she's washing. Uh, she's washing bodies. <laughs> As we left her, she's still washing dead bodies because I guess dead bodies are dirty. Got to wash them, and then well, they're all, taken away. It's all part of the important process of boring your apprentices until they start <laughs> breaking your rules. Yeah, that's it's how you learn. That's how you learn karate. It's how you learn assassination. <laughs> you, whenever you want to learn something, just start doing something really boring. It's a it's a classic move, really. The, yep. bo- the boring training, bore training. It's the Mr. Delifying. Miyagi. Yeah, it is the Miyagi. That is what we're doing here. Um, and she asks, why am I scrubbing bodies? She says at one point, because that is like literally what she, you know, what what, what we're all asking. Why is she scrubbing bodies? And the b- bodies don't look that dirty. So I no. think she's got a valid case. Yeah. Or, or maybe she's just done a really good job and she's just wrapping up, having done a good job uh, scrubbing bodies. That's true. Uh, but she does. She she finally gets a conversation from the woman who we've seen before, um, who she uh, tells a whole story about how her father was a lord in Westeros and married a new wife and uh, had a new baby and tried to poison her and she sent for the faceless men to kill her and made her father a widow for widower for the second time and then she said, "Was that true or was it a lie?" <laughs> Whoa! The first step in out. becoming an assassin. Well, second step after learning to wash corpses, learn to lie really well. Yeah. I think that's great. Lying is an important skill. I know somebody who set out to teach his children to lie. Oh? Very early, he taught them a game where they have to hold a rock in one hand and convince him that it's in the other. Mm. On the theory that people who know how to lie are more successful in life than people who aren't. So you need to learn it young. That, and that person was jailed. <laughs> I'm imagining Take, his kids were taken away. And, um, they, they, then Arya tells uh, Jaquin uh, Hagar some lies, that, and he knows exactly when she's lying and when she's telling the truth, telling telling her life story. Although it's nice when he asks who she is that she doesn't say no one. She says Arya. And, yeah. then the, and then there's that give and take with the uh, where he, he can pick up, including when she says, oh, I didn't care about the mountain. I was happy that he was uh, going to die. Hide. Or sorry, the hound. Yeah, I was happy he was going to die, and he hits her. Ha ha! Yes, it's a classic lie detector sketch. She's uh, she she uh, she he can tell when she's lying to him or to herself. Yes, 
Yeah. And then uh, she barges into a secret room that she's never allowed to go into. Right. But they leave the door open. So she finally, I guess that means she passed a test. And it's a giant hall full of faces. Yeah. Full of like, uh, like uh, pillars uh, containing faces. Actually reminded me of that Doctor Who episode where they go to the library and they've stored all the faces there to to be used as like uh, uh, computer interfaces. Now, Doctor Who, that sounds like some kind of nerd thing, am I correct? It is. It is a nerd thing. It's a, <laughs> let's not cross the stream. There might be another show that I talk about every every episode about, but in a different season, thank goodness. Because if those were happening simultaneously, my head would explode. Um, oh, we also, she meets a dying little girl. Oh, yeah. She uh, talks the girl into poisoning herself. Yeah, she tells her a lie about how she was brought to the house and that uh she drank the water and got all better and so the girl drinks the water cut to she's washing the dead girl's body the locals have to know that's what happens though Mm. right well the dad i mean the dad the dad says to her that she's been in so much pain and i've tried everything and i just want to end it so the dad knows why he's brought her there even if the girl doesn't oh all right yeah i i don't know how you could grow up in this area and think well, when I'm really sick, they're just going to take me to that big creepy house that no one ever comes out of. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, we don't really know what goes on in there, but it can't be good. But she's little, uh, you know, her dad just told her whatever. But I, I thought that was, uh, it's interesting because that's a lie that she needs to tell. And I think what's going on here too is this is a conversation about like the con- convenient lies, like your friend with the with the, the kids with the rock in their hand. It's the convenient lies, lies you take out of uh, not not because you're trying to, de- well, you're trying to deceive, lies that you, you're you telling somebody um, to not hurt their feelings or to help them, or in this case, to ease this this girl who's in in apparently in tor- in torment uh, on her path. Um, that the, this is sort of what what she's what Arya's learning here is that there are all sorts of different kinds of lies. Yes, uh, she's also learned that there are giant fountains full of poison here. Yes, that doesn't seem safe. And pillars full of faces. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird thing. I, I, having read the books, um, I always thought this was a weird setting. And on TV, <laughs> yep, it's weird. I also wonder what they're going to do with the rest of the corpses. Yeah, I wonder what they do with them. Do they? Uh, you know, they need to be washed, but yeah. then we're just cutting the faces off. Yeah, I don't know if they cut the faces off or if the faces are if it's like a magic something. All right. You think the know. faces just fall off by themselves? I think maybe they're stored using uh, like magic. It's like a database. It's a face okay. database, except um, using magic. Sort of a book full of faces. Yeah. Interesting. There could be a website related to that. Yeah. I'll think about that some more. Um, a girl is ready to become someone else, is what Jacqueline Hagar says to her at the end. So perhaps Arya has finally gotten to the chance to be someone else and be uh, a faceless person of some kind that should be I hope so because I liked Arya as a little moppet who was obsessed with vengeance mm-hmm. and I'm less into her as a sulky corpse cleaner I think she is less into her as a sulky corpse <laughs> cleaner too though fortunately I think yeah. she does not like that that gig she imagined herself as the star of a uh, Inigo Montoya style revenge binge and it's not working out that way so far much yeah. the way Sansa pictured herself as the star of a romantic uh, 
epic fantasy, and that's not that hasn't worked out oh, either. Oh, Sansa, we'll get we'll get to her at the end, but that is that is an understatement. <laughs> oh, Sansa! But first, let's go to the road on the road, the road, <laughs> the, the the road in in uh, Essos, I guess, uh, with our crazy mismatched uh, Tyrion and uh, and Jorah Mormont. Um, they're not very observant, is what I have to say about these two. Okay. Because, well, first the thing that happens is Tyrion tells Jorah, oh, I saw your father. He's dead now. Mutiny. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you didn't know. Oh, bummer. Well, I met him. That yeah. Did I mention that I met him? I did mention that. Well, he was he was cool. That's why yeah. I'm sad that he's dead. But yeah, he, his men totally turned on him and stabbed him in the back. Sorry. But then as they're walking down the road, they say, oh, way down there, there's a ship. We should hide. Oh, my God, we're surrounded by slavers. Yeah. yeah. And those slavers were right there, too. Yeah. Within 10 feet of them. How would you not? I mean, I guess they, 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 yes, they weren't very observant to notice that there's a, there's a ship right there. Because you would notice that, you would think that there was a ship right there. Yeah. Like, hey, we're walking down the down down the coast, and we see a ship down the ways a little bit. Maybe we should avoid that or be on our guard. But instead, it's all very sudden. Ooh, slave ship! Oh, slavers are here! Boop! Wah, wah. You know, it's, it's sudden. And it's kind of the old trope where if somebody's not on screen; they're invisible. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if they were looking right in the direction where those guys were. Nope. They didn't exist until they ran on screen. And, and and they couldn't see the ship until Tyrion like went around that little boulder. And then yeah. goes, ooh, a ship. And then gets pulled back. Yeah, um, I did like the line in the, in the first scene with the two of them. Uh, you are the worst traveling companion ever. <laughs> Which was good. And also the, we're not, we're not traveling companions. Well, we're traveling together. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's, I like that. I, that, that's, uh. That's uh, Tyrion at his best, right? Yeah. The, the quips while he's uh, being insulted. Tyrion knows he's in a road movie. Yep. Yeah. And Jorah really doesn't want to be in a road movie. He just wants to get to his destination and not have any hijinks, which, you know what? It's not going to happen, dude. <laughs> nope. Complete hijinks <laughs> from now on. I, I did like the conversation where um, where Jorah asks him if he believes in anything and Tyrion, you know, a purpose or a or fate or destiny. And, and Tyrion's like, nope. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty much nihilistic, and I don't believe in anything. And he says, "Well, you know, I I saw Danny go into the into the fire, and I expected her to be a blackened corpse, and instead she was fine. And there were baby dragons singing, and I kind of can't be a cynic after that. I liked that. I like that was the like his turning point is 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 I saw something completely unbelievable, and so now I'm on board. And I totally get that. Like if you if you are a cynical person who lives in a world where you basically believe that all this magic stuff is silly and the, all the talk of the gods is pointless and you just need to do, you know, play your Game of Thrones with other other people and then you see something like truly magical like that, I could see how that would make you say, oh, this world has more in it than I expected. And that's definitely what happened with Jorah. Well, he says that's what happened. Really what happened is he fell in he love with Danny. He well, loves her. Well, there's that too. her. There's that too. Well, yeah, how can you not fall in love with a, a woman who's impervious to fire and has a lot of singing baby dragons flying around her? That's pretty great. That's Those aren't really that high on my list of what I look for <laughs> well, in a woman. <laughs> fair point. But but if you saw that, plus, uh, you know, she was naked because the fire burned off all her clothes. So maybe that was it. <laughs> you never know. Anyway, possible. he's tough. 
they they talk him up. Tyrion tries to. Uh, yeah. Tyrion lives because of the uh, because um, <laughs> because he makes outsized claims about the size of his penis. Yep. That oh that Tyrion always thinking he does that and he talks Jorah up as a great fighter. So naturally they talk the slavers and take them straight to Slavers Bay. Yay! Which I believe is right next to Marine. So everything's still fine. Yep. People keep kidnapping Tyrion and taking him closer to, to his destination. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty good. It is pretty good. It's like a hitchhiker. He never really cared about going there in the first place. Nope. Maybe no. that is his destiny. Yeah, that, this is true. It's Varys wanted to take him there. And and now, and then Jorah wanted to take him there. And he's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. And now they're like, well, now we'll take you to Slaver's Bay. All right, that's fine. Whatever. But he, you know, maybe he's getting intrigued about Daenerys along the way. But anyway, yeah, so he talks up Jorah and that there are songs sung about him. And Jorah says that, you know, he, he killed the... The, the writer in the, of uh, one of Khal Drogo's writers and all of that. and Did he? I don't even remember. I think so, but that was a long time ago. One thing yeah. I learned last week after we forgot that, um, in fact, um, uh, Ramsey and Roose Bolton know very well that <laughs> Theon did not actually kill uh, Bran and Rickon and, and that they know that, 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 he, that he didn't. And that was a scene from like a year or two ago yeah. that I, I completely forgot. Look, I watched this is to the listeners, not you, Jason. Okay. I watched this show really carefully. More carefully than like ninety nine percent of people. And even I forget things. Yeah. It's a, there have been a lot of episodes. Also we record this like immediately after we watch it and yes. I don't have my co- concordance of the Game of Thrones <laughs> reference material with me when we sit down. We don't script this and all of that. But yeah. yes, any anyway. Um, I, I, let's say that you're a father guy. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Don't write in. <laughs> don't write in if you didn't. We don't want to, we don't want to know. Let's move to King's Landing. That, that's it for our mismatched road movie. They're off to Slaver's Bay. Stay that's, tuned for the that's next it adventure. For this mismatched road movie. We have <laughs> yeah. another one coming oh, up. Oh, there later. is another one coming up. Uh, so in King's Landing, uh, Littlefinger arrives. He's come down from his, from the northern end of his sinister plot. <laughs> To the to the southern end of his sinister plot, because he was summoned by by Cersei, and the sparrows confront him and say, "Oh, it's a new King's Landing now, because the people in the burlap sacks are in charge." Yeah, bad news for brothels. Yeah, and he seems to take that in stride. I don't know how much time he's planning on spending in King's Landing in the future. Yeah, I think his investment in the brothel brothel he's he's willing to write that one off if he needs to. Is the impression I get. Yeah. I will say that once again, Littlefinger's ability to move around the kingdom is really impressive. He's got to have like a whole like a network of horse horses that he can use and different places he can go to get his uh, get his food and things like that. Because he's gone in two episodes, I think, from Winterfell, a thousand miles, Cersei says, from Winterfell all the way down to King's Landing. Yeah, I think he's the only one who can use the King's Road even when there's a war going on. Mm. Well, he is he is oily that way, right? He he can he can he's slippery. Oh, he's super slippery. Yeah. For instance, when he tells Cersei that his sources tell him all these things about Winterfell. Yeah. And we, the audience, know that his sources are him. him. He's doing this. <laughs> yeah. That that is a little dangerous because somebody else could be like Peter Baelish was at Winterfell, but um, but he's just too confident in it. Like you know, hey, I hear that uh, Sansa is in Winterfell, and and uh, and also that. Uh, that uh, we're gonna see a fight between uh, the uh, the Boltons between and Stannis and, and Stannis and and what he says to Cersei is so you send your troops 
and beat the beat up winners and then you get the north and she says well troops it's my uncle kevin he's not that which i, I really love it's k-e-v-a-n but it still kills me that <laughs> yeah. that there's that there's circe and Tyrion and tywin and kevin and, and, kevin and adding uncle makes it even, sound even uncle more kevin. prosaic yeah uncle uh, six degrees of kevin lannister um <laughs> uncle kevin uh, doesn't want to fight and he's like hey tell you what i've got guys in the area we could do it and she says, "Well, what what would you want from that?" And he says, "Make me the warden of the north." So he's playing. I have not I have not decided what I'm back to not knowing what Littlefinger is doing. Other than I assume playing all the angles so that no matter what happens, he ends up on top. That seems to be what his what his plan is right now. Well, we've seen him make deals with Cersei and Roos. Yeah. So and set up one, Sansa. Yeah, he hasn't directly dealt with Stannis. Right. But I expect if Stannis wins, Littlefinger will be right there next to him <laughs> saying, good news. He just pop, he'll just pop in, too. He's like, w- weren't you just in King's Landing? No, that was a day ago. I move like the wind. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Cersei sort of says, go ahead and do what you want. Yeah. She's not really that interested in the North. No, it's that that is interesting. She basically says, "I'll talk to the king, and you know, w- <laughs> whatever you know." And he says, "I live to serve." Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the my my own interest is silent at the end of that. But um, I think that was uh, I think that was good. I also really liked his um, his uh, line back to Cersei when when uh, she's talking about uh, about him marrying the crazy lady from the Eyrie. Uh, and he says, one's choice of companion is a curious thing. Yeah. Burn. Baelish burn. <laughs> but, you know, you, you got if you're seriously, you got to be like, yeah, okay, I hear that a lot. You know, yeah, whatever. I'm surprised she didn't hear that when Lady Olena showed up to spar with her a little. Yeah. So old, old, uh, old, old Diana Rigg, Lady, Lady Olena is back. I She's wrote down, best. yay. <laughs> it's good to see her back. And she says, let me deal with Cersei Lannister and goes in and has a meeting with her where uh, Cersei mentions her famously tart tongue and Cersei Lannister calls her a famous or uh, Lady Olenna calls Cersei a famous tart back yeah. to her. Burn again. That's a Tyrell burn. She <laughs> she does th- things I say, put the pen down, dear. We both know you're not writing anything. <laughs> that was that was really good. It was good, uh, but it didn't work. No, it didn't work. But it was funny, right? She's because we were all thinking it, right? Yeah. She's like, oh no, I'm too distracted with this pen to. But I'm listening. Go ahead. She's like, put just put it down. I, I did like the line where she says, "Well, you know, it's just a formality of this hearing. I'm sure he'll be freed." And I'm sitting yes. here going, "Sure, right, sure." We you just know, have to have this inquest. It doesn't mean a thing. It's not a real trial where he'd be uh, in real trouble. And I guess the question there is, does she really believe that or? because that's sort of the old way things were done is it doesn't matter if this noble person is guilty or not, because we just take care of it and it's not a problem. They're never found guilty. You know, so does she really think that or, um, and then is surprised because the high sparrow is going to be a very different kind of character to deal with, or is it just a lie? And she knows that he's screwed, but she's going to just, uh, play along with it. I, that, that I don't know. I'm, I feel like Loris should go straight to trial by combat. Mm. on account of he's supposed to be one of the best fighters in the world. Right. But instead they end up with this trial scene where he denies everything. Then Marjorie is called as a shock witness. She denies everything. And then 
There's they, a birthmark. Then they bring in the squire, and he says, he, well, I mean, the birthmark, that's got to be famous by now, right? That's not proof of anything. But the idea is you just, everybody else denies. But instead, they're like, well, he knew about the birthmark, so take them away, including Marjorie, because she lied. Yeah. And the High, Sp- High Sparrow knows what's going on here. But um, I think maybe that the church law is different. I think, like, trial by combat is like a regular law thing. And this is, you know, this Sparrows, I just get the sense that they are doing whatever they want. That they've yeah. like flooded King's Landing, and this is what happens when you open your doors to the fundamentalists: is they have come in and they are not uh, the old ways are not going to work, and they got their guys in in the in their burlap sacks out there, uh, rushing people off the streets, and and you know they by welcoming them in, Cersei has I think lost control, and it's go- kind of going her way right now. But she seems, seems to me that the old way of of power in King's Landing has changed and that Cersei is kind of like writing it rather than controlling it. Well, I certainly don't know how much she can control the sparrows if someone were to whisper in their ear, like say Lancel's ear, about whether incest is okay with the gods. Well, well absolutely, right? I mean, that's the thing is she is not beneath uh, or beyond reproach at all because of her history with Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. So dangerous. And Tommen continues to be useless. Oh, Tommen! So then they, so then they, uh, they, they take Marjorie away, and she's like, "Oh, my king, my king!" And he's sort of like, "Eh," and yeah. doesn't do anything. He doesn't. He doesn't give any sort of a reaction. He doesn't go, "Oh, I want to save you, mommy. Am I allowed to?" He just kind of looks confused by the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of sucks. Yeah. Again, I feel like if Joffrey were there, at least he'd be having somebody's head cut off. Yeah, Joffrey would would definitely not worry about there being a big fight where a lot of people get stabbed. But yeah, Tommen is just super indecisive and yeah, confused and it's weird. It's weird. It's a bad. It's a bad scene in King's Landing, is what I'm saying. Because because Jonathan Price seems to be in charge now, and <laughs> I'm not sure he's not totally crazy. And could we have a scene where Jonathan Price and Diana Rigg kind of spar? Because that would be super fun. That would be. They're I, great I, actors. I'm disappointed that we didn't get that this week, really, but maybe maybe soon. Because now yeah. more members of her family have been locked up by the Sparrows. Yeah, now Diana Rigg knows who the real problem is. Mm, yeah, she does. And this may be one of those cases, too, where you end up in a situation where... Uh, uh, unlikely groups may have to come together. I mean, I, I just keep thinking the Sparrows thing is going to continue to be a problem to the point where it's a problem for everybody because they don't seem to care. They don't seem to be, at least at this point, they don't seem to be politically motivated. They seem to just be, um, you know, sort of back, back to basics, fundamentalists of the you know believers in the, in the seven gods, and they want to... Uh, uh, spread their doctrine and enforce it in King's Landing and presumably all of Westeros. And uh, that that presumably would make a lot of other people um, upset eventually, even if yeah. it's working like Cersei's way right now. Certainly, because everybody in the world, everybody in this world is a horrible person. Right. Like, if they start trying to clean the place up, they'll start with the, the Tyrells. There's Cersei's creepy... Uh, Frankenstein Meister, he can't be trusted and right. Oh yeah, that guy. It's really crazy. Um okay, so um in Dorne 
We have the adventures, the adventures of singing Braun and Jamie, as I wrote down. Braun sings a song. Yeah. Jamie tells him to shut the hell up because they're getting to the gardens. Right. In this situation, Braun is the one who knows they're in a road movie. Uh-huh. Because what happened, in my theory now, we had a successful series of movies. We had a successful series with Tyrion and Braun. Right. Tyrion and Braun know how good a buddy movie on the road can be. Yeah. But, but their like, new buddies don't get it yet. They're like Martin and Lewis. They've been split up and they're going to try new partners, but that's not going to work. No. You can't have Laurel and Costello. <laughs> nope. No. Uh, you know, so Jamie is not is not with the program like Singing Braun is. Myrcella is kissing her... Uh, her Martel betrothed. She's getting into the whole arranged marriage yeah. thing. She's like, things. hey, I'm young and blonde. He's young and swarthy. Why not have some fun? So I think that's kind of a, an interesting... Com- contrast that with like the horror show of Sansa's wedding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right? I feel like Marcella is kind of the Sansa of the Lannisters. Of the Lannisters. She does not know any of the backstory or political intrigue. As far as she's concerned, I'm here... This is my betrothed. I guess we kiss now. Yeah, well, I, I'm here in this great weather. There's the swimming pool. I'm hanging out. I'm having a good time. There's this hot guy. We're supposed to get married. So you know, when <laughs> you know, like, it's like a summer beach party in Doran for Marcella. I, I seem to have grown about five years mm-hmm. since the last time anybody saw me. Because so otherwise, it's not creepy. This, otherwise, the scene would be really gross. Yeah, they grow then, fast down there in Doran. And then suddenly, Uncle Jamie. Uncle is uh, in quotation marks. Yes. I don't think she knows that. Shows up and punches her betrothed in the face. <laughs> no, yeah. Bron does that. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Whatever. But the Sand Snakes are also there. And this is where we get our episode title because they have yeah. a chant that they say, which is unbound, unbent, unbroken. Um, and they uh, and uh, there's a, a, a nice I do like the nice line that uh, Jamie says, which is. When he's like, okay, so we're going to get her, Bron says, and then what? And he says, well, yeah. I don't know. I like to improvise. To which Bron says, well, that explains the golden hand. <laughs> and in fact, the operation breaks down immediately. Immediately, because the sand snakes appear and they have whips and swords. They're, there's a little Indiana Jones thing there. They, all um, have, they have special weapons, which is something I always like. It's kind of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. style thing. Where- they've, they've got their trademark weapons. And Bron's response is great too, which he's just like, "Oh, for f's sake!" Right? It's yeah. like that. <laughs> I wrote it down. It's like Bron's like, "Oh man, here we go." So much for this being easy. Yep. And there's a fairly pretty fight scene that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And then the guards show up and capture Bron and Jamie. Yeah. So so my wife was sitting there saying, "Where is the guard guy? We just saw the guard guy talking talking to the you know Martell." Lord, the guy from Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah, and and they're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm watching, and we're gonna we're gonna keep watching. We got some good security here, and then we don't see them for a while. Like, let let let's let them fight a little bit before we take take them yeah. over. But then they all appear. You know, all <laughs> there's the a fight there. right in the middle of the gardens where everybody is looking because it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, but they you know it takes a while for them to get down there, and yeah. they and they stop the fight and pull everybody away, and words are exchanged, and the sand snakes show their wild, reckless nature. And are are held back, and they're all kind of captured. So everybody who's trying to kidnap uh, Marcella is uh, is captured by uh, by Mister Martell's uh, forces. Just which is good. I mean, that was his job, right? He's I kind of I kind of feel like I'm kind of rooting for him. One because it is 
uh, Alexander uh, Siddiq from Deep Space Nine, but also uh, he seems like the adult in Dorne. Like it's more nerd stuff. Yeah, it's more and more nerd stuff. But <laughs> he's like the adult in Dorne, where he's like you know his his uh, what his brother's mistress comes back and is like we must have revenge and he's like yeah yeah maybe not yeah um i like so i like that he's like putting a lid on this and he's like everybody wants to kidnap marcella i'm not gonna let you it would be amazing cool. if he just shipped jamie and braun back to king's landing with a note saying knock it off nice try <laughs> yeah that's it quit it this is your- don't send these guys again send some new guys the way things are going in Westeros, I feel like you never really need to take revenge on someone because they're going to just going to get themselves in trouble anyway. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, let's see. Okay. So that leaves us with Winterfell. Yeah. So from the far south there in, in, in hot, hot Dorne up, <laughs> up to the north in frigid Winterfell, um, Ramsay's creepy girlfriend Miranda is giving Sansa <laughs> a bath. And Sansa finally... Tells people to to just shove off. Yeah, yeah. Although this is so, the parallel here too is she's uh, she's having the attendant Miranda wash her hair and all that. An echo of the washing of the dead bodies. Oh, very nice. I think I'm going to say a little um, bit like that. Like, but uh, it's it's nice because she Miranda, who we know it, it loves uh, good old <laughs> Ramsey, tells the horror story about oh he got bored with this one, he got bored with that one, he got bored with this one, and then Sansa turns it around and she's like, oh how long have you loved him? Oh yes. honey, I'm the one who's marrying him. Yep. Hit the bricks. <laughs> I was so happy when she said, "I'm Sansa Stark of Winterfell. This is my home, and you can't frighten me." Yeah. And then in the next scene, we have her. Theon's like, he said, you have to take my harm. And she has, she has to look out for Sansa. Yeah. Like, she cannot worry about whether Theon will be in trouble for her actions. No, no. Plus, she hates Theon because, again, I believe she belie- she believes that Theon killed her, her two brothers. Yeah. Even though nobody else believes it because everybody knows Bran and Rickon are fine. They're fine. One of them is off who knows where, and the other one is in, like, under a hill in with the old tree people. Yes. But she doesn't know that. So she blames all, it all on Theon. Um, but I, I, I – so we'll, the last scene, I think, points the way to forward Ugh. for Theon. But but uh, we go to the Godswood, which we haven't been to for a while. They Back in a slightly warmer period, uh, we saw the Godswood, but now there's a wedding there. Oh, um, great, a wedding. Finally, this show has a wedding. Finally, night. a wedding. Well, we had the least eventful <laughs> wedding ever with uh, Marjorie and Tommen, but here we, we, we're we back to the, our classic gross weddings of, yeah. of Game of Thrones. Uh. Ramsay is grinning from ear to ear in a, uh, in a look that is, I am a total creep, sleazeball, freakazoid. That's his look. Uh, he, I'm a creep. I'm going to get married now. I'm a total creep. I think he's overplaying it a little. Because aren't some of the people supposed to not think he's a crazy yeah. weirdo? Well, what's funny is that a week or two ago, the, the Ramsey was played as being... M- more sympathetic. You could get the sense from the the performance a, a week or two ago that he's a um he's a broader character, right? He's got his perversions, but he's also got some rationality to him. 
And I, I, you know, I guess what the, what the show is saying is that that's just totally an act and he's actually a freakazoid. He's just totally nuts. Cause it, 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 and he cannot get it together for, for the wedding. Cause the grin on his face is like, I am going to murder you and peel off your skin tonight. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Just come then, on, public appearances. You're right in front of your dad. Just get it together, dude. Just make act like a normal person. Yeah. But he can't do that because the show's really worried that we might not understand that Ramsey's a bad guy. Yeah, because we only saw him torture Theon for many hours last year. Yeah. And we may have forgotten. Like, anybody could forget anything about this show. <laughs> I have been trying. Yeah, well, that's that was actually one of the pieces of feedback about, you know, don't you remember all the things that Theon said when he was being horribly tortured? And I said, you know, actually, that is a part of the show that I'm kind of suppressing because it was really yeah. unpleasant. I just have those blocked off as torture, 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 yeah. torture. Yeah, and there was that time when the Theon escaped. But it, he didn't really escape, and it was just part of the torture. Good times. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, uh, Sansa gets interrogated by Ramsay, who doesn't believe that she's a virgin, even though her, her you know she's been uh, promoted as a virgin by Littlefinger. I think also gross. But that's and uh, Roose said he was going to have uh, somebody check her out. Yeah. So they they've all verified that she's a virgin, and and Ramsay's like, well, what about Tyrion? And uh, she she says, look, he was very nice, but he never uh, he never tried anything. And Ramsey basically uh, gets you know he gets the opportunity to take her at her word, and instead showing his true colors, I would say mm-hmm. I think that's perfectly valid. He instead he acts all creepy and threatens her, and then gives her a creepy kiss, and then gets even creepier. So that yeah, so then he tells yeah. uh, he tells Theon to to close the door, stay on the inside, <laughs> and yeah. and and stare at them. While uh, while uh, he he uh, deflowers his new bride, yeah. um, and I wrote down, "Oh Ramsey, uh, always creepy. Never yeah. never stop being creepy." <laughs> now I do not know what happens next, but I assume Theon snaps and kills him. Well, so Theon, what's nice about that last shot of Theon wide eyed watching uh, Ramsey deflower. Sansa in the in again in like as creepy a way as possible because that's his deal um is definitely sending the message like okay we know that that Theon's been under Ramsay's thumb all this time but surely something has got to break right surely at some point here with Sansa there with all these memories of the good times with the Starks which he regrets betraying and and now he's with these torturers Surely, at some point, Theon is going to try to break away from his tormentor and save Sansa in some way. But is he, or is that just a mislead? I don't that I don't know. But it it, it that's what the show is definitely trying to show us. There is the the torment of because I don't think the show intends to go out with a ha ha oh he's got to watch. You know that's not the point. The point is. <laughs> You know, how how long is Theon going to be able to do this without breaking? I just hope it's not too long because I understand the dramatic importance of it, but you're really hammering home that Ramsay is a gross, sadistic dude. And here, this late into the series, we could move forward from that. Hmm. Plus, I feel bad for Sansa. She's had it rough. And I don't want Ramsay to be even worse to her than Joffrey was. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, it's, it's, uh, 
this is something that we were talking about while we were watching it, which is, you know, Sansa, she is the pretty princess dream girl at the beginning, right? She's like, oh, I'm going to be a lady. I'm going to marry somebody. I'm going to be a princess. It's all going to be great. And it has just been one terrible thing after another for her. Just like it never, never a, a shiny moment of something that isn't super awful and creepy. Yeah, she she had it her way for about a third of the first season where she was like, and I'm going to be engaged to a prince and have a lovely storybook yeah. wedding. And then it all went bad. Then we met Joffrey <laughs> and he was awful. And then it got worse. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for her. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe something is coming. But uh, that would that would be nice, wouldn't it? Because she is just that is an unrelentingly bleak story of uh, of Sansa's life. Meanwhile, her sister is off, like killing people and washing dead bodies and getting new faces and whatever else she's going to do in her crazy Escher esque building that she lives in now. Yeah, and then I, there's Sansa. I did read an interview with Maisie Williams, who plays Arya who I thought made a really good point that if Sansa had been through what Arya had been through, she'd be dead by now. But if Arya had been through what Sansa has been through, she'd be dead by now too. I think that's right. Like neither of them have at all the temperament to survive what the other characters had. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, because Arya would have gotten killed by somebody if she was, because she wouldn't have put up with the stuff that Sansa's put up with. She would have like gotten a knife and said, I'm going to take care of this myself and then gotten stabbed. Well, she already attacked Joffrey once. Yeah. Like, if she had been in the King's Landing situation with the crossbow and all that, oh, she'd be dead by now. Yeah, exactly. And then Sansa, there's you know, there's no way she's gonna make it through the stuff that Arya went yeah. through. But they're you know they're very different. Their paths have been different, and uh, it is it's interesting to see to see that. But yeah, it would be nice if Sansa had had a little glimmer of something. So that we're not just, you know, marrying her off again to the second most repulsive character on the show. Because <laughs> she already did the first and he well, died. Now that Craster's dead. Craster's uh, up there. Wow, we could do like an all-time yeah. top five Game of Thrones discussing characters. I do think that, that Ramsey and Joffrey have to be on that list. But you're right, Craster, that, that guy, not good. Yeah. Not good. What with the incest and the killing of the male babies? Yeah. That that yeah, he's up there. He's up there. Well, what else? I thought I thought this episode was a real downer. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was too. Bleak. Like, kind of unrelenting. I am bent, bowed, and broken after it. Ah, see, we brought it all the way back around. I'm with you. I I I, I enjoyed a few parts of it. I I laughed at Braun singing. I liked uh I liked uh, seeing Olena Tyrell back again. Um, but, uh, but it was dark and like unpleasant things all the way through to the end, but in the middle too, the, you know, seeing the, the railroading of, uh, the Tyrells by the, by the awful sparrows and, and seeing Cersei look smug, um, and, uh, and, you know, I don't like the Sand Snakes, but at least that was kind of a fun fight that we got in Dorne. Yeah. But uh, just a lot of a lot of dark, bleak stuff. So definitely, I, you know, we're, we're, we're we pass, just passed the halfway point now. I feel like this is the shape of the season is they want to, they need to, 
push some things forward and and uh, make it all seem bleak before we get some resolution, which yeah. some of which will be bleaker probably. <laughs> I got a bad feeling about my beloved uh, Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie, who seemed so unflappable, and now she doesn't have she doesn't have her uh, her husband behind her here. Yeah, and and I'm not convinced that Cersei can do anything about it either. Not that she would necessarily want to, but I, I really feel like Cersei has opened the door for the for the devil with this one. That, yeah. that she's gonna if she doesn't regret it yet, she's gonna regret it because that that's got to be one of the lessons here is you cannot let people like this have power because they they're not doing it for you. You can't control them, and they will turn on you. I I, I think that it's it's a disaster in the making, but the 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 brilliance of it is she's willing to go along with it right now because it serves her purposes but boy she is setting herself up for trouble because it's just those those guys are scary those sparrows are really scary and totally totally out of control they are playing a different game than the game that uh that uh cersei plays yeah they don't care about who rules the kingdom nope they just care about the gods and the rules of the gods and yeah, if they have a larger if they have a larger scope than that, if the high sparrow really does want to rule or something like that, we've got no inclination of that. They just seem like religious extremists who want to enforce their religious laws on everybody. Yeah. They're starting with people we like. Yeah, monsters. That's, that's tough. Well, I, one of the funny things about this is that I, I think people talked a lot about how having uh, Loras and Renly uh, depicted in the show so early as having their gay relationship that there was like, okay, there, you know, everybody here is kind of cool about it. And we've seen like with, with, uh, with Marjorie that, you know, and, and Elena and it's all like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And, and now what we've got is these, these fundamentalists who are like, nope, it's a perversion. Uh, you know, you were going to put you away for it. So it's like, that's interesting too. The, the kind of, uh, twist there where, um, we thought that it was everybody was okay with it, and it turns out, nope. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, well, maybe Loris can fight his way out somehow because he's good at that. At least he could go down, go down fighting. Yeah, if they let him. Yeah, if they don't just like tie a rock to him and throw him in the ocean or something. Who knows what the sparrows do? I don't, I, I don't even know. Well, Marjorie was right, Loris. You could be a little more discreet than that. Yeah, it turns out that was a uh, kind of foreshadowing, wasn't it? Just try a little bit. And he's like, ah, why? Why hide it? Well, because of the guys in the burlap sacks. Yep. I hate those guys. Jonathan Price. He's, he, he, he seems nice, but he's almost never nice in anything. Mm. Even, even in those car commercials he did, I always expected that there was like somebody tied up in the, in the trunk. <laughs> Your read of Brazil is very different from mine. <laughs> Well, that's I, it's been a while since I saw Brazil, but that's true. That's true. Yes, even in Brazil, there's just mark my words. He's he's up to something. I don't trust that guy. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Uh, hope hopefully a little more uh, a little more excitement next week. It looks like there's and we get a new episode next week. I think they took Memorial Day weekend off last year, but not this year. Yep. So onward to uh, episode seven. We're on the ba- we're on the downhill slide now. It's weird. Yeah. This has gone so fast. They're very short seasons and so many things to cram into them. I know. This is this is true. All right. Well, Monty, it's a pleasure as always to talk Game of Thrones with you. Pleasure to talk to you, Jason. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, feel free to uh, write to us. Uh, um, 
Monty or what? Monty underscore Ashley on Twitter? Uh, yes. And I'm Jay Snell on Twitter, and you can also do it to TV, T-E-E-V-E-E, net uh, on Twitter, and you can tell us all the things that we've forgotten from past episodes and make us feel sad. Or I don't. made three mistakes on purpose. Ooh, did you spot them? <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks everybody for listening to our Game of Thrones recap for this week. We will see you next week. Bye.